0: Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby Podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider Baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, and I want to apologize from the outset if things sound a little bit different this week. I'm coming to you from a hotel room in Austin, Texas, doing a little travel for work, but I didn't want to miss an episode, certainly with a week as important as this one with the final Big 12 Road Series for the Red Raiders, as well as such an exciting homestand over a couple days with UTRGV. So we're going to dive right in. Apologies again if things do sound a little bit different, but same content nonetheless. Let's talk a little bit about this midweek series. So the Vaqueros came to town to face the Red Raiders on Tuesday and Wednesday. Not a bad ball club by any means. Came in 28 and 14 on the season doing a pretty solid job in the WAC, which they're a part of, and not a ball club that was going to lay down, but you expected the Red Raiders to jump on them a little bit. Well, they had different plans, and what UTRGV did for the Red Raiders was trot out all of their top relievers. So despite them going on an eight-game road trip, they're leaving Texas Tech after a two-game series heading to Las Cruces to face New Mexico State in a weekend series, and then heading on to California to face a conference opponent in a three-game. Instead of focusing on their conference series, they threw everything they could at the Red Raiders for this two-game midweek, so used all of their main relievers out of the bullpen across the Tuesday game, and then threw their closer, who actually pitched in all three of their weekend games. So college arms be damned. They wanted to win that game, and unfortunately for Texas Tech, they did. They took the game 6-3 to three from the Red Raiders. The game wasn't way out of reach for Texas Tech. UTRGV put up a five spot in the second inning. They only scored one more run after that in the sixth. Red Raiders played one in the third, one in the fourth, one in the sixth. But really, the story of the night was four errors by Texas Tech. They really kicked the ball around and struggled when it came to errors on the evening. So a frustrating night from that standpoint for Texas Tech. Not something you'd seen a lot of. Only a couple errors by the Vaqueros. Just not generally going to be able to give up four errors and overcome that. The Vaqueros outhit Texas Tech 14-5 to 5 on the day. They stranded four more base runners than Texas Tech did. They just couldn't get things going, couldn't get folks out there on the base paths. No Red Raiders had a multi-hit day. You only had hits from Dylan Noisy, Cameron Warren, Cody Masters, Drew Baker, and Braxton Fulford. Each of them had one, just a few RBI on the day spread out amongst them. Fair number of walks. Red Raiders had nine free passes from base on balls, but overall, just not what you wanted to see from him. Once again, Mason Montgomery struggled with the start. He only made it one and two-thirds innings. He gave up five hits, five runs, only two of them earned. No walks and no strikeouts. Just not what you're looking to see from him. That's his first loss on the season, so he drops to three and one. Taylor Floyd came out. He had one and a third innings pitched, gave up one hit, two walks, and a strikeout. Hunter Dobbins turned in the most work on the day. He had three innings pitched, allowed four hits, only one run, no walks, two Ks. Connor Queen had two and two-thirds innings, four hits, but shut out baseball. And then Caleb Freeman finished it out with the final third of an inning. So when it came down to it, just not a good day for Texas Tech, a frustrating day. Things didn't look good for them. They didn't feel good. They weren't hitting well. I could run through the numbers, but really the number that says it all, they hit 172 on the day. So just not at all doing what they needed to do. They hit 143, so even worse than their daily average with runners in scoring position. They did hit 556 in the leadoff, so they continue to hit good leadoff hits and get folks on base, but just not able to bring them around, not able to hit with runners in scoring position, just not their day. And that's the way baseball goes sometimes. And I don't mean to use that Ron Washington quote as a crutch, but it just... Not every day is your day. They had a lot of atom balls, and the Vaqueros had some seeing-eye singles get through, and, of course, the errors didn't help anything either for Texas Tech. So you drop a game, you end up dropping four spots in the RPI from 12 to 16. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that the season is shot. But it does mean that Texas Tech needed to come back on Wednesday and win in resounding fashion. There was no question that you cannot drop two in a row at home, even if it's a midweek, to the UTRGV Vaqueros. So the Red Raiders trot out there. Things are looking good. It's a scoreless first in the top and the bottom, and you're thinking everything's all right here. These guys are going to be fine. You've got Erickson landing on the mound with the start. First inning went fine. And then all of a sudden – The Red Raiders give up a nine spot in the second inning to the Vaqueros. Lanning is pulled in the second inning before he gets an out. He ends up giving up four hits, seven runs, only two of them earned. No walks, two Ks for him. He does hit a batsman as well. So Lanning was responsible for multiple errors, and the Red Raiders ultimately end up giving up four errors again. However... After Lanning was pulled in a combined effort between Ryan Sublette, who went two, Trey Garlett, also two, Dane Havman, two innings, Caleb Freeman an inning, and Clayton Beter an inning, you end up finding a way to win this one. The Red Raiders reel off after giving up nine runs in the second inning, walking into the third down nine to nothing. They reel off 19 unanswered runs, and the Vaqueros tack on two in the eighth but ultimately fall to Texas Tech 19-11. to 11. So Tech plates two in the third, seven in the fourth, one in the fifth, nine in the sixth. They out-hit the Vaqueros 20-14. to 14. Just an unbelievable day to keep up with that game. I was in the airport, had a delayed flight, had a mechanical malfunction, had to wait for another plane, but I was able to keep up with the game, see what was going on. It was blowing my mind, but then you saw the numbers that you wanted to see from Texas Tech, the numbers that you saw against Oklahoma State. They hit four fifty-five on the day. They hit five fifty with two outs. They hit five hundred with runners on. They hit five sixty-three with runners in scoring position. Their leadoff hitting dropped a little bit. They hit three seventy-five in leadoff, but they were a perfect one thousand with runners on third. They hit a thousand with, with the bases loaded. They hit seven twenty-four when there was an advancement opportunity. I mean they just did everything they needed to do To get out there and make it happen and some of the storylines of the day were absolutely wild Gabe Holt went four for six four runs scored five RBI two doubles a triple Gabe Holt was nails he was putting the Red Raiders on his back and running around the bases with them you had Josh Young going three for four with two RBI three runs scored he had a dinger on the day and two walks Cameron Warren, also a multi-hit day, two for four, two runs scored, three ribbies, a double. Cam Warren also has a home run and two walks. You had a multi-hit day from Parker Kelly, two for five, a run scored as well. You had hits from other guys, Cody Masters, Cole Stilwell, lots of people contributing. But really, for me, the story of the day, Kurt Wilson gets the start in left field. So... And haven't seen a lot of Kurt Wilson this season. He is normally a pitcher. He does bring some gas. Kurt Wilson's able to to bump ninety-eight. He gets the start in left field. He feels like it's something that he has been working towards and has wanted the opportunity. If you recall last season, early in the year, through the early series, Kurt Wilson played eight of the nine positions on the field. The only thing Kurt Wilson didn't do last season was catch. But he pitched and played other seven other positions. On the field. So you think, you know, he's definitely a versatile guy. He's obviously got a bat because Kurt Wilson walks in, having not batted all season long, he goes three for five, three runs scored. He hits a double, he hits a dinger. He's got three RBI. Kurt Wilson was unbelievable for the Red Raiders. Absolutely wild what went on. Let's run through this game really quickly. I don't want to belabor it too much. As I said, Red Raiders give up nine runs in the second. They played a couple in the third. Gabe Holt leads off with a single through the right side. Brian Klein doubles to right center, scoring Holt. Klein ends up getting out at third, stealing, but then Josh Young hits a solo shot to left field to score the second run of that inning you walk into the fourth Kurt Wilson leads off with a single to left field Parker Kelly singles to left field Braxton Fulford flies out but that advances Wilson to third so you end up with runners on the corners Gabe Holt triples down the right field line scores both runners and he obviously ends up on third then Dylan Noisy singles to right field scoring Gabe Holt so all of a sudden you've scored three runs and you only have one out. Brian Klein strikes out swinging, but then Noisy still second. Josh Young singles and brings Noisy home. You have a pitch and change. Cameron Warren walks. So you have runners on first and second. Cody Masters singles through the right side, scoring Josh Young and advancing Cameron Warren to third. Masters advances to second, and Cameron Warren scores on a balk. And then Kurt Wilson comes in. He doubles to left center and he scores Cody masters and you end the inning when Parker Kelly strikes out looking. So it's a seven run fourth. You walk into the fifth and you're still clawing your way back. You've tied it at this point. It's nine to nine after the fourth inning, the red Raiders come in, you ground out, Gabe Holt doubles down the left field line, Dylan noisy singles to right field. So Holt's on third Brian Klein with a sack fly. He's a ne- one of the leaders in the nation in sack flies. He brings Gabe Holt home. Josh Young walks, Cameron Warren flies out. So you score one more. That's the go-ahead run on a Brian Klein sack fly in the fifth. Then things go bananas. In the sixth inning, Cody Masters has a leadoff walk. Kurt Wilson reaches on a fielder's choice, and on pure Masters hustle, Kurt Wilson's hit to third base. The throw to get Masters at second is too late because Cody Masters turns on the Jets. You get it out when Parker Kelly strikes out swinging. Then Braxton Fulford walks the bases loaded. Gabe Holt comes up with a bases-clearing double to right center field, so three-run score, and Holt ends up on second base. Holt advances to third when Noisy flies out to center field. You get a pitch-and-change, then Gabe Holt scores on a wild pitch. Brian Klein reaches on an error by second base. Josh Young singles through the right side, and then Big Cameron comes up, tacks three RBIs onto his Big Twelve leading total, and homers to left field. So you end up with three more scores, three more runs. So you end up with three more runs scored. You get a pinch hit where Stillwell gets put into hit for Masters. He doubles down the right field line, and then Kurt Wilson, hero of the day, walks in and homers to left field, scoring two more runs. Absolutely unbelievable inning. Unbelievable performance by the Red Raiders. They're up nineteen to nine at that point. They give up two runs in the eighth. Doesn't matter, win at nineteen to eleven. Is this how you want your midweeks to go? No. You want to dominate these guys. You don't want to end up down nine-nothing going into the third, but you love the heart from this team coming in and getting the W. I mean, what else can you ask for from these guys? You're disappointed. I will admit you want Erickson Lanning to be a starter you can count on. He struggled mightily early on against these guys. Starting pitching hurt the Red Raiders in both of these outings, but in the Wednesday game, they decided they were going to come back and make it happen. Hitting was contagious, and it was a big day for them at the plate. So this weekend, the Red Raiders are going to hit the road for the final time this season. They are heading to Norman, Oklahoma, where they will face the Sooners in a three-game series over the weekend. The Red Raiders currently 30-14 and 14 on the season. They're 10-7 and 7 in conference. They sit squarely in second place in the Big 12 conference. They're a game and a half behind the Baylor Bears. These Sooner games will be televised in part. The Friday game will be at 6.30 p.m. That'll be on Fox College Sports and then, of course, you can catch it on 97.3. The Saturday game is at 2 p.m. That one will only be on the radio. And the Sunday game will be at 1 p.m. You can catch that one on ESPNU. So the Sooners are sitting a little bit different, but they are not a ball club that you want to overlook. They have also garnered 30 victories. They're 30 and 15 on the season, 8 and 7 in the Big 12 Conference have not had a bad year by any means. Obviously, they're not really in the mix for the Big 12 Conference Championship right now. They're eight and seven, which puts them in fifth place behind Oklahoma State. But that does not mean that they're not a dangerous team at all. So let's look a little bit at the Sooners, and then we will wrap this thing up. As I said, 30 and 15 on the season, not easy to win 30 games, no matter who you are, or who you're playing. The Sooners As you look through their schedule, they opened their season against Cal Poly at home, and they got the sweep there. They beat Dallas Baptist, who's always a quality ball club. They went to the Tony Gwynn Classic. They beat San Diego and San Diego State, but they did drop one to Cal State Fullerton. They've beaten Columbia, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, not particularly quality opponents. They did lose one to Dallas Baptist, split that series with them. They did win a series over Rice, taking two of three. That was in Houston, beat Texas Arlington. Got all over Missouri State, but only won two of three at home in Norman. They've also played New Mexico, won two of those in a midweek. They swept the Kansas Jayhawks in Norman. The Sooners did lose in Morgantown. They took the Friday game, but were not able to close it out. And that's a little bit of a theme with the Sooners. They can take the Friday game, but often don't close the series out. They did the same thing against TCU in Norman. Now, these are back in late March, early April. Against the Baylor Bears, they did the same thing. Took a Friday game in Waco, but lost the next two. They did lose the Sunday game in extra innings. Against Minnesota, they flipped it over. They lost the Friday game. This was in Minnesota, but they did win Saturday and Sunday to take the series. And against Kansas State, they took the Friday game, lost Saturday in Manhattan, and then Sunday squeaked it out in extra innings over the Wildcats and took the series. That was their last conference series. That was last weekend. So the Sooners, when you look at them on paper, there's a couple of things that jump out to you. First of all, there is one batter, one regular starter for the Oklahoma Sooners who is batting over 300. That's Tyler Hardman. He's batting 309 on the season. He's not really their leader in a ton of statistical categories. He is their RBI leader. He has, he has 33. He leads Briley Ware by three RBI. He has 21 walks on the season. Otherwise, his numbers are fairly pedestrian. He does lead them in slugging percentage at a .464, but no one is slugging better than that. So as far as offensive production, this team does not seem to really make it happen. They've got a couple of guys in Bradley Ware, Brandon Zaragoza, who have 36 runs apiece. Hardman has 34. But overall, you're not seeing a whole lot of power from these guys, a whole lot of production. Hardman has five home runs on the season. Ware has four, but as a team, they only total twenty home runs altogether, so not seeing a ton there when it comes to what they're able to pull off from a production standpoint. When you look at their pitching, you're probably going to see a mixture of four guys, Levi Prater, who leads them in innings pitch with sixty three and two thirds he's got a six and four record, a two fifty four e r a more notably, as far as who I'm seeing in weekend rotations, Cade Cavalli with 3.10 ERA, a five and two record, and 52 and a third innings pitched. Ben Abrams a 3.21 ERA with a six and one record and 56 innings pitched, and Nathan Wiles with a 3.71 ERA, seven and two record, and 70 and a third innings pitched. Those are the three that I'm seeing the most from. All of them, their strikeout to walk ratio is uh, is okay. Abrams and Wiles certainly stronger, forty-eight to ten and fifty-nine to thirteen in strikeout to walks. Cavalli 49, but he has thirty walks on the season. That's a lot of free passes for a starting pitcher that's pitching fifty-two in a third inning. So those three guys, Cade Cavalli, Ben Abrams, Nathan Wiles are the ones you're most likely to see as this weekend rotation. And I think the Red Raiders definitely have an opportunity to jump on them early and make some things happen, swing the bats and and really get some things going. If anything, Texas Tech can push you offensively, get to your pen early, and really screw up your whole weekend plan. And I think that's a strength of this Red Raider team. So that's what I would look for them to try to do, to keep the hot bats hot, to get after these Sooners, get at their starting pitching, and get into that pin very early. Friday is the night to do it. Run him early. Start digging into their arms. Because really, once you get past those starters, there's not nearly as much quality there as you would think to see from you know a team that has been elite in the past some of their higher inning producers out of the bullpen do have two and three eras but they're not seeing nearly as many innings pitched their top two relievers have 31 and 32 and a third innings pitched next to that 23 is the next closest as far as appearances go, they do have guys in the 25 range. Jason Ruffcorn has 25 appearances. He has 31 innings pitched and a 174 ERA. But There's only so much those guys can do. So unless you're going to wear them all the way down and play them irresponsibly, you can't use them as much as you're going to need to. The Red Raiders are going to get after these guys. Legend Smith is another one. 21 appearances, 16 and a third innings pitched, a 220 ERA. They have some reasonably quality arms in the pen but the Red Raiders can dig into them quickly, and this is a team that can wear these guys down, and that's what I expect to see them do. I think Texas Tech's going to stay hot. I think there's going to be an opportunity for them to go on the road, potentially get the sweep. I think they have the mentality to do it. I have a feeling this team has realized that the season is coming to a close. They need to buckle down and get it going. They seem to be self-motivating with the realization that It's time to go. There's no more time for excuses or dilly-dallying or not gelling as a team. And they seem to have put some things together, turned some corners here. So they're going to face the Sooners in a three-game on the road. They have a doubleheader against Florida International in Lubbock next Tuesday. And then after that, you have a finals break. So you play on May 7th in a doubleheader, and you won't play baseball again until you – Host the TCU Hornfrogs Frogs in the final series of the season on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, May sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth. So that's going to be a long layoff after that FIU doubleheader for finals. All three of those all three of those final season series games will be televised on Fox Southwest, Southwest Plus, and ESPNU. And Thursday night, May sixteenth, is Tim Tadlock Shurzy Giveaway Night, so don't miss that one. So I've given you a little bit of a. A look ahead to the Sooners. We talked a little bit about the UT Rio Grande Valley Vaqueros. I don't have a whole lot else to bring you. There has been one thing I keep forgetting on the podcast, so I want to put it in here. I've had a lot of support. As I've put this thing together this season, and I need to say a couple thank yous, the guys over at 23 Personnel Podcast, part of Staking the Plains, Spencer and Michael, these guys plug Dinger Derby every week, and I have neglected to say thank you, I've neglected to talk about their pod. If you want to just get in, listen to some guys that enjoy talking about Texas Tech sports, both of them write and contribute at stakingtheplains.com as I do. They help me out at the very beginning getting this thing going. I do appreciate them. They'll talk a little baseball too, and we need to team up and talk some baseball baseball together pretty soon as things start winding down for the regular season. But appreciate those guys always plugging Dinger Derby. I want to plug the 23 Personnel podcast. They talk about food. They talk about dealing with your yard. They talk about movies, you name it. They talk about other things on that pod, but they have a good time and always a fun listen. I want to thank the guys at the Testosterone podcast, Keith and those guys. We talk all the time you know, DMing and and stuff like that and look forward to getting to know those guys a little bit better. I appreciate them having me on earlier in the season. Would love to get on there again, talk a little bit more tech baseball, all going band alums, which I am as well. Just some guys that enjoy having fun. Their podcast isn't specifically about Texas tech, but it does have a lot of tech info. They have some pretty cool guests on there. It's a, it's a neat one to check out. So check out that testosterone podcast. And then this one, not so much a thank you, but an FYI, I put this on Twitter. I found a new podcast when I was driving down to Austin last weekend. It's called the 11.7 podcast. That's one one point spelled out P-O-I-N-T, the number seven They have a website. They're a new guys on the block as far as covering all of college baseball. It's three guys that are former players on the D one level. Pretty young guys. It's a lot of fun to hear their perspective. They had Alec Manoa on in their last episode from West Virginia. But really good perspective. Neat things to hear from them. They got a lot of personality, enjoying what they're doing. I love seeing new folks coming to cover college baseball I'd love for this sport to grow I think there's some big guys in this space that you love to see them get pushed a little bit you know as you see some new personality new blood things like that come in and I do speak for myself a little bit as well so go check out 11.7 those guys are doing a great job just a new place to get some info about college baseball it's always nice to find a new podcast about something you enjoy new format different info different takes It just feels good to see something new So I think I'm going to call it a night here. I'm going to get this thing packaged up and ready for y'all and send it out into the internets for you guys to find it in your feeds. I appreciate all your support of the Dinger Derby podcast. Would love to hear questions from you. Always feel free to interact with me on Twitter or elsewhere. Appreciate you putting up with a little bit different sound as I'm on the road for some work, but can't wait to watch some red raider baseball it'll be on tv this weekend looking forward to it looking forward to the rest of this season and seeing what it has to hold because i think texas tech has some good things up their sleeve i think it'll be a good rest of the regular season and we're going to look at some fun postseason baseball for texas tech so if i don't see you before then we'll look for you at the ballpark in a doubleheader with fiu or at the end of the season against the tcu horn frogs and until then wreck them Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider Baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at StakingThePlains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man Or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me.